With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Isn't it interesting when you drive a car and then you drive it again years later and it's the same car and, and it's not the car that you thought it was? It's the same car. It's, it's the just same car, the but world the, has moved on. Well, that's it. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not trying to slag on anybody here. It's just interesting to drive it again. And, mm-hmm. and this happens to all cars, by the way. This, Absolutely does, yeah. This is why car manufacturers continually update their cars. And you think, well, it's a perfectly good car. Why wouldn't you just keep selling it endlessly yeah. like the Nissan? 370Z. <clears throat> well, but, it's been and, on sale for a long time. And there are those oddballs that a new version comes out and the old version was better. This is one of the reasons that auto manufacturers True. sometimes don't like us to drive cars True. in generational succession because they're <laughs> terrified that the newest, latest, greatest one, we're going to go, yeah, the prior one was doesn't, better. Doesn't really stack They don't up. really like that. And so what you'll find, actually, a lot of times on press launches, uh, the, the F-Type is a great example. Okay, On okay. the F-Type press launch, they had the E-Type. Yes, to, to make to make everybody yes. think the F type was cooler, but but let's be honest, there were no coupes otherwise in the middle there. They didn't bring out <laughs> yeah. the. They were just right. They'll, they'll bring out the car from thirty years ago because there's really no comparison. It's just two different ideas, and oh, look, we're still this company. Right. But they don't want to bring out. They want to bring out the version prior most of the time. What you're referring to is the fact that we have a couple of press cars right now. We just finished shooting a fast blast of the Audi Q8, and that was an interesting piece that we shot some cool stuff for. That's coming. We also are driving the current. Keep in mind, current 2019 yes. Lexus IS 350 all-wheel drive. This is the F-Sport package, too. It is. And it's everything. Talk it's about, all of the setup it, you want. It's F-Sport added to M-Sport or the M package or you know the S-Line from Audi yeah. or anything like that. You know, you want to get that package. It's which, got the Sport plusiness, yes. Uh, I, I suppose much of it is trim. But there well, are some good things that come with these packages. But we're talking limited slip diff is added, and well, there's the yes. Sport Plus, and there's genuine stuff things. added as a result. A few things. So not to slag, but to just observe. And as we've driven these cars throughout the years, we've driven before this car. Mm-hmm. It's been the same car. And as a matter of fact, the headlights are updated a little bit. They look uh, not as good, but they the older ones definitely look old, interestingly. Mm-hmm. So we have a new headlight shape, just a few things, trim pieces updated around the car. And I think, great, we'll drive the brand new. And I have this fond memory in my mind about how good it was and how much we liked it and how mm-hmm. much of an eight-tenths car it was. And we said, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, the Hot 3 Series and the M3s exist. But, man, this is a great, interesting car. And so I got in it, mm-hmm. started driving, and mm-hmm. I thought, well, wow. I, things that I'm now looking for in cars – are missing here the, mm, the feeling mm. that I'm missing, and I, I'm. It's just an interesting observation to now drive it again. But that's not because Lexus or any of the cars they build are bad, or they're not getting it from an enthusiast standpoint. It's just this one has just continued to march on and just continue to be. It's yeah. They just kept making it. Here, here's you're you're jumping into the thing that I was thinking when I was driving it as well. Because we were genuinely surprised by that car. We've recommended it many times in this podcast. I'm sure we will continue to do so because yeah. they are really good cars with surprisingly good dynamics. Of course, they're Lexus, so they're going to run forever. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. are really affordable used. But here's the problem with the current IS. It is the same as it was when we first drove it in like 2012 or 2013. It's the same car in the mm-hmm. same way. This is the best correlation I've got. It is to the 3 Series 
category of cars. Think about all the cars that compete with the BMW 3 Series, that mid-size sure, right. uh, sports sedan. Okay, In that era, the Lexus IS is the Nissan 370 of that group. It's the same car, brand new right now, you could have bought six, seven years ago, brand mm-hmm. new. It's really the same car, and everybody else has pushed through at least one more generation since then and pushed on. This car still has a six-speed. Most of the rest of the Lexus lineup has gone to eight. Right, automatic it's, you're talking. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. It still has uh, the naturally aspirated, I think, V6, so three and a half liter V6. Is. Well, it's which the is, same three and a half liter exactly. that's been exactly. shoved into right. everything, including low tie. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. So it's, it's an interesting <laughs> engine, but a lot of the rest of the lineup has either moved on to eights. There's turbos that are happening in Toyota. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's the 370Z of that era, of that Sports sedan midsize. Yeah, and, my, and I think yeah. its biggest problem right now, honestly, if you're the Lexus IS, I think you're looking over your shoulder the most at the Genesis G70. Well, for many reasons, dynamically and the car itself, but also for price. The uh-huh. one we yeah. have is loaded out at $53,000. Mm-hmm. You can go shopping for a lot of brand new models mm-hmm. that are very compelling. By the way, that car that Todd's talking about is in the Blue Cars episode that is coming is, to yeah. Amazon Prime very soon. It has debuted already once on the Motor Trend Cable Channel, and then it's going to play again, but that this is coming to Amazon Prime soon. This is what we're talking about. Sedans, enthusiast sedans that have yeah. Yeah, yeah. something down in there, and we're, we're searching for that driving enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And then this comes along. I do want to offer this thought, though, for you. Okay. Lexus is where they're at right now with that car. Okay, so they've been leapfrogged. But now they've got an opportunity to do the same with everything that's currently on the market and then lead the way again. They're kind of known for doing that. They'll come out with some new thing Mm -hmm. and they're like, Mm -hmm. wow, you got to rediscover Lexus. Yeah. But they've got this new opportunity to do so. They're they just do. at the tail end of the cycle of that car exactly, now. Exactly. But again, this is not a Lexus thing. This is an all-cars it problem. Is. It's just they happen to be the one behind on the calendar right now. Right. And if you think about the right. fact that the G70 just dropped, the new 3 Series just dropped, right. the Alpha yeah. Julia is only a year or two old, most of the stuff in this area that is compelling has been updated in the last two or so years. So here's mm-hmm. the Lexus mm-hmm. on its last gasp. And it isn't, honestly, it is every bit as good as it was it's just everybody else has made a move and right they haven't yet and it's interesting to drive a car that is in that position in a marketplace and go huh because the rest of the lexus lineup has moved on as well i mean you think about the other lexus very products true. we've driven of, of, of very late. true you very know true. all new entertainment systems they've refined the interior again they've tried to move on from the mouse you could debate whether or not that's been <laughs> successful but there's a lot of things sure. going on in the lexus lineup that is an in, that is an improvement it's just that they haven't gotten around to the is yet i drive it and i just go Oh, where's the new one? I mean, honestly, it's kind of exciting to think what do they have cooked up? You know, what's going to be dropped on us hopefully soon. But it's just so interesting to observe this. And I think, have I changed as a driver? Have I, what's going on with me? You know, but, you know, cars have certainly changed. But then the kinds of things you and I are looking for as tech is added and the kinds of parts and how they're built affect the driving experience and so now we're you know accustomed to all right so electric power steering kind of feels like this these days Mm. it's not as bad as it was still not the holy grail it's kind of like this and that's kind of our our benchmark right now yeah yeah and then something else comes along and resets our meter we drove that car against the cadillac ats and the three series at the time six years ago 2013 did you when just that, look it up? When that review came out. Oh, man. Six, and that's when the review came out, which means we drove it the spring of 2013 when that car was that's brand insane. new. That's and insane. it did really well against the ATS, which has gone through a whole other generation since. And, died. Right. and also the um, uh, and also the 3 Series is on a brand new gen. 
Yeah, very true. And the three series had just come out then too. Interesting. Anyway, it's, it, it, we're having a whole generational discussion here. That's the big thing that you and I feel I feel like have had revealed because it's been a while since I feel like we because this isn't common. We drove a press car that it was near the end of its life cycle. Mm-hmm. You normally drive. We normally drive press cars either right at the very beginning of the life cycle or in the mm-hmm. first third or so, or at the latest, the mid cycle refresh, which is three or four years in. This is the last gasp, and we're ready for new. Very interesting. Alexis, thanks for the cars. Really appreciate it. We've, we're getting to, I think, the entire portfolio just about, this yeah. year. Just about, yeah. So thanks for the cars. Keep them coming. We're, we've we're got, really intrigued by what they're doing. We've got lots more fast blasts coming of Lexus, Hondas. Uh, there's so much stuff in the pipeline. That Audi we just shot today. This is all YouTube stuff. Forget about the fact that, uh, hey, episode six, still another episode coming of season five. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That is going to drop on Amazon in the next couple of weeks. That will drop as soon as it's done. Before it even plays on cable, it'll be on Prime. All of season five will be on Prime beginning in about a week. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you're a patron, yep. you're going to get your uh, your free copies here in about a week as well, which is very cool. So that's all happening. We are already prepping more season six episodes. And I, I can't tell you yet. I can't tell you yet. <laughs> it's a bit of a secret. <laughs> We're still kind of boggled. But this week we are shooting a monster piece that we kind of stumbled into the opportunity yeah. to drive some crazy cars. Yeah. It isn't right for TV. So that means it's going to go on YouTube, uh-huh. it's, and it's going to be big. <laughs> it's coming. All right. Well, that'll be dropped on Instagram later this week, so yep. look for that. And I can't go another second without thanking our TV sponsors. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you guys have made it happen for us. That is Covercraft and Griot's Garage. We've had a lot of time spent with the guys at Griot's. Thanks to them for the fun drive a few weeks ago. We had a great time just getting to know more. And again, both of these companies are kind of like family to us, and we really feel like that. And, and just want to share them with you. So use the code every day to get 10% off at both companies. So you get 10% off off yes, your order. Yes, yes. It's every day for both companies mm-hmm. when you're ordering. And uh, yeah, you can go into the website. You can find the code there as well as finding the how to contribute to the show for the patron and Discord forum. You can jump on there and... <laughs> Get lost in uh, a lot of more, a lot more debates. That's where the debates rage on, the and Discord whole new categories. Awesome. It's really, really it's, fun. It's yeah. really grown, and it's morphed and changed, and there, a lot of people are are on that. So thank you guys. For a lot of people have found serious car friends as a result of being patrons of the show and yeah. being in the Discord forum. Yeah, which is for awesome. sure. That, that chat room is great. So that's going on, and then and then I have to laugh at how many of you are laughing along with us about new content <laughs> that could be created about an old Volkswagen Phaeton and an old Jaguar uh, XJR. That is the GoFundMe right now just to get into those cars so that then we can go off and make a crazy amount of content with them. You guys are already backing that. We thank you. It's off to a good start. There's a ways to go yet. I do want to remind you, should we not reach an amount of money that allows us to get those cars, we are going to refund what's there. That is either going to those cars yes, or yeah. it's going back to you that have been generous. But so far, many of you have been very generous. We appreciate it. We do need your help to get into those cars because this is a ridiculous idea. But after that, we have many <laughs> money fun things to do with them, and we thank you for your support. Yeah, for sure. Well, we've got a great topic Tuesday from Shane M. here, where which is a two-part topic about dualities. And the first part here is is fairly long for me. I I really dug into this. Uh Uh-oh. This is the difference between a great car and a special car. Now, Shane says he's been shopping base 997s, but he gets hung up on the fact, is it special? He doesn't Mm. think it is. Mm. He thinks it's a great car, but he would argue a Fiesta ST is actually special. So here's the argument. If you already have a special car and you want to replace it with a great car, Mm. is something Mm. lost? Are you okay, I'm in a great car now, but I'm missing a certain feeling. Mm. I, I can't put my finger on it. And we're going to try to in this debate. We're going to try to identify Good what it is. Good luck to us, yes. Yeah, for sure. What, what it is the difference, and, and uh, 
you know, he's arguing that each of us have found special cars that are great cars. And I do have an example, a modern brand new example that is both. Interesting. Okay, I look forward to that. So the second part here is moving on to the spectrum of car people. And it was kind of based on your spectrum of sacrifice mm-hmm. that you've identified here. Still want to do that shirt. Still plan to do that shirt. <laughs> we, we definitely we are, need we are to. honing in on that That's for hilarious. sure. So this is people who love vehicles and people who, who love driving. The example is Days of Thunder, taking you way back to early Tom Cruise <laughs> acting days. Tom Cruise is the driver. Robert Duvall is the pit guy. He is the he's, crew yeah, chief yep. and the, yep. not the team owner, but I guess just the crew chief. He's the crew chief. For he's sure, more yeah. the vehicle person. Tom Cruise is the driver. Yeah, yeah. And he's arguing we're on separate sides of the line. I think I think there's some gray areas. I think there's a lot of gray areas back and forth here, just kind of based on our childhoods and growing up and yeah, kind of yeah, where yeah. our careers have taken us now. But I do want to jump in here, first of all, to this difference between the great car and the special car. Okay, all right. Because I, I wanted to identify, and I'm, I'm racking my brain, I'm going after examples, and I, I think the best way I can answer the question is through examples. Okay, great. So people great, can great. start to get a, a feeling of the difference between the two. And starting with great cars is stuff that doesn't let you down. Like hmm, okay. the yeah, MX-5 yeah. Miata. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a great car. Absolutely it is. Is yes. it special? Not really. Hmm. Okay. No. All right. All right. It's great, but not special. E92 BMW M3. Great car. Yes. Yes. It's special. Uh, I'm not sure I would crown it with that. I would not sure I would bless it with that. I agree with you, but term. let me stop you there real quick. I think the E94 door may be. Okay. Okay. Good. I like that. The, the big headline for me, and I want you to keep going. But I the like big that. headline for me here, Shane, and everybody listening about this, what the thing that makes it the dividing line for me is you take a great car that has something unexpected added. The Fiesta ST okay. does that. The Fiesta ST, it's a, it's, a, it's a little Ford hatchback in a weird orange color. I'm sure it's very economical. I'm sure you didn't spend very much. I'm sure Ford made a perfectly fine hatchback. They do good ones in Europe. That's the end of the sentence. Sure. The specialness sure. is, have you driven this thing? <laughs> why, yeah. why, is it, why is it this good? Why is it this fun? It has a special era, okay? Yeah. The E92 is an excellent M3. Excellent. Good sure. Two-door Absolutely. M3, great V8. Yep. Yep. But then when you go E90, it's now yeah. four doors. Yeah. It's now the full stealth family car. And by the way, have you driven this thing? It's an M3. Oh, my gosh. I like that. It's I like the unique that. element that with the unexpected. Those two things as well are factors. Okay. A few more examples here of great cars. Subarus. Great cars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Special. Yeah. We could, we could hash out the... WRX STI at the end well, of that what spectrum. Hap- well, what would happen could. is all the guys that would write to us with how they've built their STI to be special. Now, that's fair. Because they added that's the uniqueness. Fair. I like that. Teslas, great cars. Special? Hmm. Mm, I, We're I'm, about to get angry pitchfork I'm not letters. sold. Okay, go Toyotas, on. Toyotas, great cars. Great cars. Special? Mm. There's been a few over the years, but now I'm getting down into the particular models. Because as we move on to special cars here, I want you to see that it doesn't necessarily have to be a high-performance or high-horsepower car. Mm. Mm. It might be a bit rare, like you're saying. How about that 335 IS? Yes. From the same E90 generation. That's a special car. Kind of rare. Because it's a unique car. Nobody really knows about it. not that many, and look what it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm more towards feelings, kind of like you started to identify identify this surprise and delight factor that mm-hmm. is unexpected. Mm-hmm. The car you just gush about when you're not driving it mm-hmm. and you're thinking about, 
well, I, that's right. I parked it and I get to go drive it again. <laughs> huh? Sure. Yeah. You know, cars, you know, that might never have the corporate backing to go build the next iteration mm. that is quite mm. like the first. Mm-hmm. The Acura NSX, the first gen is a perfect example. Mm. The second gen you identified is underappreciated. It is. Fantastic car. It is. Why are they not selling? Well, and, that, and you know what? I think that's a great car, but I don't think it's special. That's my point. The Whereas first right, one The is. first gen is special. Because right. it's this unexpected, yeah. where did that come from? I think the Alpha Julia is in this camp. Do you? I think okay. it's both a really great car, and I think it's also special because it is such a curveball in that part of the market. Does it have to be the Quadrifoglio to be special? Or are no, you I saying so. Julia no, in general? Because, because honestly, when I, I see the, you know, Mercedes, Mercedes, BMW, BMW, Audi, 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 <laughs> Julia. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It's the oddball. It, there, there has to be an element of that's an unexpected choice. I can see that. I can see that. I like that. All right. I have a bunch more examples here. 60s to 80s Ferraris. Okay. Are they great cars? Probably not, but they're special. They lose the contest when you apply the checklist mm, interesting. of what you need them to do. I need them to be reliable. I need them to run and restart in hot weather. I need them to not be fragile or precious or finicky or fussy. Mm-hmm. They're special cars. Are they great? <laughs> By an objective standard, they are not great cars. It won't restart. But I in take hot your point. They are also I'm, special cars. But they're special. That's interesting. You've completely flipped it on its head. I do like that. Yeah, that's good. BMW 2002s, special cars, great cars. Do you want to rely? I mean, I know people mm. did. E30 M3s, specialness. Yeah, yeah. E39 M5s. BMW yeah. has built a lot of these special cars, by mm-hmm. the way. The BMW Isetta, that's a special car, but it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> yeah, that's really not a great car. It's really genuinely not a great car. Okay, yeah. try this on. Carmen Gears. Special car. I'm, uh, a lot of people have a lot of good memories with that car. I don't think that's Is special, it a great car? But okay. All right. I don't think so. All right. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit close to home here. Uh-oh. Lotus Esprit V8. Mm-hmm. Special car. Are they particularly great? Yeah. I, mm. See, I, the, the, hmm. and the Esprit is an interesting one because I, I think it almost fails both categories. Depend, <laughs> seriously. Depending upon... The year and the engine. Okay. The Esprit's been around okay. a long time. I think yeah. the the seventies <laughs> the seventies Esprit's the original wedges. Yeah, are kind of special. You never see them. Turbos. You never see them. The actual original door wedge, the one that you know was yeah. in Spy Who Loved Me, that was the wa- the car underwater submarine. That's yeah. a special car. Yeah, for sure, for sure. That may not start again. <laughs> Agreed. Okay. It's special when it's running. You know, once you get it running, everything's but, good. But yet, then I think there's an era in the in the eighties when they're trying to figure out the more rounded shape. And they've got bad engines where it's just like it's neither of the above. But then they kind of refine it out at the end of its lifespan, and the interior gets kind of nice. And they get you know turbos and V8s and fun, like the O one, O two, O three, the very late ones. They become a bit of both because yeah. it's the end of an era. Okay, okay. How about early Saabs, like a Saab ninety nine? If you're a Saab person, they're both great and special. Yeah, I Otherwise, suppose. I think I they suppose. may not hit either category. First three generations of Corvettes, special cars. Yeah. Are they going to always start? 
are they going to eat fan belts and, you know, alternators <laughs> and water pumps? Yeah. Special yeah, yeah. cars, special to drive. Do I want to spend all day in one? Mm, interesting. Not interesting. really. I'm going to go have a fun drive and park it and put it back in its special parking place. <laughs> it's, it says it's stenciled on the ground. Special parking. <laughs> exactly. What? what? What cars go there? Okay, here we go. Shelby Cobras. Okay. Special. Are they great? There's See, some greatness in there. There's very greatness. I'm not sure those are either. Really? And here's why I say that. I do think there has to be an element of, wow, you never see those mm. to, to make a car or, or to make a car special. This okay. is, this is okay. Shane's problem with the 997 Porsche, base Porsche, which is a great car, but they're, they're kind of the Camry of sports cars. Please stop with the pitchforks. My point <laughs> That's is pretty funny. <laughs> my point is they are a volume seller in the world of sports cars. Yeah. You will yeah, see sure. a lot of nine nine sevens being driven by all kinds of people. Guys that are track rats and race it and people I that agree. have never done anything other than drive to, to work and go to Starbucks. Nine nine seven is doing a lot of that. The Miata is in the same camp. Great, great cars, mm, but mm. there's enough of them, they're not special. That's why I say they're great, but not special. The this is the 997 problem as well. Yeah. I think this is a Cobra problem because there's so many people that build Cobra replicas. It's a, and because I will the replica admit, issue? I will admit to being enough of an idiot about Cobras that, I mean, Chance, from like a mile away, can tell you exactly which Cobra that is. If oh, it's an absolutely. original, who built it? We're going to get him in one for, for classics. It's going to be very cool. He knows them. I can walk around a car show and see three Cobras. They're built by entirely different people. As far as I'm concerned, there's three Cobras here. Okay? <laughs> exactly. One of them may be an original and is worth an absolute fortune. Sure. And there's a, there's a replica two down from it. And unless you know Cobras, you probably don't know which is which. And I will admit to being an idiot on them. And I think that has made them less special. Cobras are in a special category by themselves in that sense because I think of all the cars that have been you know, replicated, mm -hmm. they're up there. There's a lot. Volume-wise is but high volume, on that. Yes, that's, yes, that's yes. tainted the brand, but then the real ones are still very cool and very special. And incredibly expensive and, and worth mm. and, and decidedly so. But I'll give you another one. The Daytona Coupe, though. Oh. Uh, the Daytona Coupe is a special down. car. And even though there's replicas of that, there's still not many of those. True. You see true. one of those, replica or real, at a car show, and you're just like, have you seen that thing three cars down? Uh, yeah, yeah, I can see that. All right, well, I'm with you on the 911s. There's so many 911s that litter the planet. They're great. I, I, I'm kind of with you. They're the Camry of sports cars. I play that. I dancing delicately here. You, you I'm treading lightly. You understand why I'm using that as a reference, though. But how about Porsche 356s? Well, yeah, those are in a different category for me because they're rare. They're underpowered, strangely, and they have this feeling to them mm -hmm. when you drive them mm -hmm. and you get yeah. things right yeah, yeah. and you get the mechanicals to sync up and do what you want it to do at the exact same time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a feeling that you're chasing. Mm -hmm. All right. We've covered the NSX and finally the 1986 Lamborghini LM002, <laughs> the Rambo Lambo. <laughs> Great. No. <laughs> Special when you see one. Yeah, because have you ever heard a, a high-pitched V12 whale coming out of a giant monster truck? <laughs> no, you haven't. It's really weird when you hear one. Yeah, yeah. They're a different car. I, I think yeah. uniqueness is key. I think uniqueness I too. is key. And I, I think too. the other thing that is an element here, Shane, is it has to be, there's, it has to be an unexpected element. Okay? There has to be something yeah. where yeah. it's better than you expected in, in, in some category. And I'll give you a, a great example. My Elise, I think, is... 
great car, but I think it's also special. And I think that has to do with, A, low volume. Mm-hmm. But I think it also has to do with the fact that if, if you've only seen photos of cars like that, the Elise is smaller and lighter than you ever expected it to be mm-hmm. once you run into that reality. And it has less engine. Whenever I get into conversations with people about it, it is smaller, lighter, and less powerful than they expected when they walked up. Sure, sure. And it doesn't matter. That it's still fantastic, and all of those things are true. It is a, it is a unexpected oddball. I think my Cayman is more on the great side than it is on the special side. There's elements of it that make it special, but I think it's less so the fact in that, that category. The fact that it's a GTS is the thing that leans it towards it's, special. It leans it towards, but I don't know that it is necessarily. Because, I mean, you know, seriously, you and I go to Cars and Coffee all the time, and it's not uncommon to see a Cayman of that generation. It's actually sure, very common to see a Cayman sure, of that generation. Sure, absolutely. It's it's actually possible to see more GT4s at a Cars and Coffee than GTSs, though, which is crazy. <laughs> Granted, we live in Park crazy City. crazy talk. But, but it is actually possible because that GTS is not something that people sought out. Well, I told you there's a car that can be both. It's modern. It's brand new. You can buy one for $35,000. Okay. Honda Civic Type R. Great and special. Modern car. Because it's unexpected. I see where you yep. are. I, I, I think that's fringe, but I'm, I'll go with you on that. <laughs> You'll give me that right one. on the edge, yeah. And then I couldn't leave well enough alone. So cars that are neither great nor special. Oh, no. Oh, no. Late you, 70s Triumph TR7s. You love your lists. Bricklands. Opals. Saturns. 90s Pontiac Firebirds. 90s Alfa Romeos. I like that Saturns in mass are included <laughs> on this list. Just, yeah. It has a Saturn badge. Any Volkswagen thing. Not great. Not special. <laughs> Any Maserati newer than 1969. Wow, that's a hard line of the sand. Okay, go on. Ford Bronco 2s. Mustang 2s. Well, we're at things with a 2 in the title. Corvairs, anything with Oldsmobile written anywhere on it. The Cadillac Catera and Hummer H2s. (laughs) Not great. The H3 is actually even worse, but yes, I take your point. (laughs) I couldn't leave well enough alone. And that list could grow. You love your lists. That's hysterical. I stop myself. Anyway. Great questions. All right, so we've got to touch on this spectrum of car people. What are, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on here, the the crossover and the gray areas between people who love driving versus mm-hmm. people who just love vehicles and cars oh, and gr- of car shows? Of course this exists. Look, I'm, I'm, going to go to, I'm going to go to two places really quickly that I think will make sense. Okay. You and I like to drive. We like to have cars that are fun to drive. Mm-hmm. There are people, and I will put two camps up, the guys that create the huge lifted trucks – uh-huh. And the guys uh-huh. that create the slammed hatchbacks. Can we include the super negative camber slammed that typically, ha- that typically happens. That's all the stance stuff. That's yeah. I'm, I'm talking about all of those. Yeah. Those two categories. Now, now back away. If you're in either of those two categories, I'm not coming in to offend here. This is not, I'm not intended to be a room full of rakes, even though it's like a stadium full of rakes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> with both of those categories, okay, the lifted truck or the, or the stanced car, mm-hmm. both of those drive worse than when you started. It's a great point. Yeah. But that's not the point of why you did it. Low riders fit here too. Yeah. So on yeah. now if I if I get objective on my own perspective though, those are still car people. Absolutely. Those are car obsessed people. Absolutely. They are all about their car. But I'm looking at it from the other end of the spectrum going, but it drives even worse. If you didn't make it drive better, didn't you screw it up? That's that's my perspective because I want it to drive better. If it doesn't drive better as a result of whatever, I've gone the wrong way. Yeah, and they're mostly designed to sit at car shows. Well, or, or be looked at when they're being driven but not hooned. 
Yeah, slowly cruising. You know? yeah. So, so I think, but there, but those are absolutely car people. The lowrider guys, the guys with the big lifted trucks in the stands, guys, those are all car people. I'll add to that the design aspect of things, and there's a lot of design friends that I have that are bummed because they're sketching cars and they're creating what's next. But they don't have the experience of going to drive everything that's on the market. Those are the engineers because a lot of car companies will yeah. buy competitive yeah, yeah. models, drive them, beat on them, strip them down, mm-hmm. and throw them mm-hmm. away. Yeah. Car companies are not allowed to put them back together and resell them, nor are employees allowed to buy them. You think, mm-hmm. sweet, it's an engineering test mule. I could buy a new Audi A6 for, you know, mm-hmm. no, because of... You don't know what the engineers have done to it, where they've drilled into it, where they've <laughs> you know, taken something apart and laughed at it and put it back together. You know, they yeah, yeah, they yeah. won't sell it to you. So those cars get crushed. That's part of the business. Mm-hmm. It's the realities. But these designers are creating the future of what we're going to be driving. Mm-hmm. They're working with engineering teams, but they're only doing it for their team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's yeah, all yeah. they get to drive. Sometimes they do, and if they're into racing, and you know, that's why you see other car makes in parking lots. They've... Well, I just I want to drive an MX-5 Miata because I mm-hmm. like them, and I mm-hmm. work for Ford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's becoming less of a taboo thing these true, days. True, true, true. But from a design perspective and an artistic and just enjoying the car as beauty, there's a lot of those people. Mm-hmm. But they also might not like to drive because maybe they haven't discovered as much as sure. you know everybody listening has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's I think there's a lot of gray area between I love the beautiful lines and appreciate the car as art and sculpture and for what it represents mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. all the categories of why you buy cars from style to showing off to being yeah. invisible yeah, to yeah, yeah. you know it'll name the reasons to going over here to drive I don't care what it is I just want to drive or maybe I really care about the appearance and I want to you know keep it nice and really drive it hard too yeah or, yeah yeah you know maybe in the far end is all the ferraris they're just designed to go to car shows and sit <laughs> a kid but you know what i mean a lot of them do well, but that's the thing. I, I think there is a spectrum. If, if we want to talk about it this way, Shane, about a spectrum, I think on one end of the spectrum, if we're trying to build this for, dri- for, for car people, you have people that are only about driving. And I actually don't think I'm that far to, the, I'm to that end of the spectrum, but I don't think I'm just a driver. I don't think okay? you are either. So you have people that are just drivers. And yeah. honestly, a lot, of, a lot of racing drivers are this. They need the tool. They need the driving tool. Well, it can be attractive, yeah. it can be well put together, or it can be none of the above. But they want the tool, and they are going to drive it until it either falls apart or crosses the line in flames, whatever. They're going to drive it as hard as they can. That's mm-hmm. one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is people that, honestly, they didn't drive their show car any faster than five miles an hour. Or they maybe have even trailered it to somewhere they can show it to people. It's not about the driving. It's about the thing, mm-hmm. the the rolling sculpture whether it rolls or not, the rolling sculpture, the design, the feel, the look, and the community that goes with it. This is These are the bookends of the spectrum, if you will. Where are you on that? Everybody I've just listed are car people. They're all car enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. Sure. But sure. I think most of us are somewhere in the middle between those two bookends. But I think that's your spectrum, Shane, and then you figure out where you land from there. Good example of a racing driver I always heard is Brian Herta. His son, Colton, now races in, in um, IndyCar. Okay. He's very successful. And his dad, Brian, is not that old, and he was always known for the ability to set up a car mm, and okay. come back and, and be able to relate the driving feel and knowing what a car should do, here's how it should be set up. And then the team sets it up for all the rest of the drivers for that team, hmm. and they're a winning team. Now, he himself was not always you know, on the podium or a winning driver, but he knew 
Hmm. how to Hmm. set up a race car. That was his job. He's paid to go fast and risk his life and get the most out of the car. I don't know that he ever went driving for fun. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know that he ever bought sports cars. I could be wrong. I don't know the man, but I knew somebody who had lived near him and got Hmm. to know him a little bit. And Hmm. I, I thought, wow, a racing driver, they should just be into hot sports cars and they just go driving all the time. Not really. They're He's certainly paid yeah. for that job. Mm-hmm. He knows how to do it really well. Goes home to his CRV. There are certainly race drivers that because they can't drive like they do on the racetrack, they do just drive the mundane stuff. Yeah. And they don't even worry about trying to go fast or have fun on any kind of public street because that's what they do for work. Yeah, that's that represents work. <laughs> I wouldn't want to go to do that. That's my job. I love my job, but that's what I do for <laughs> So let's get the next minivan. Let's just drive the kids slowly, hon. We've got folks from around the world who frequently ask us about the roads we shoot on, but they also ask us about great driving roads near them. Now there's an app that will help anyone worldwide discover and share the best driving roads everywhere. Driveline app allows you to easily record and classify your favorite road. You can even mark great pit stops and attach photos and videos if you like. With Driveline, you can follow people in great areas. You can search an area you've never seen, and if you find a route you like, you select Drive It, and you'll be guided to the beginning of a new favorite drive. You can even earn points and patches for your activity on the app. These build up toward actual car giveaways. That's right. As the community grows, Driveline will be giving away cars to members, and your postings and drivings get you entered to win. We've never seen anything like this, and we love the mixture of community and great drives. You can get in early right now to help shape the app and the community as well. Download Driveline to your phone today, start sharing your favorite roads, meet other drivers, and find a new route for your next adventure. Summer's here, and with that comes sunshine and blistering hot car interiors. I know that leather seat seemed like a great idea at the time until you scalded your legs. All you need is a custom sunscreen from Covercraft. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car, and they keep your car a lot cooler while you're off enjoying the sunshine or whatever you're doing. I have used these for years, and I'm telling you, I swear by them. These custom sunscreens from Covercraft are available in a whole range of colors, and they're a simple, affordable way for you to keep your car cooler all summer long and protected from damaging UV rays all year long. We swear by our custom sunscreens from Covercraft. It's one of our favorite car accessories. And remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com, or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. We're often asked how we find the cars we recommend because we do a lot of research for the show. Local or nationwide, our searches start with our friends at Auto Tempest. Instead of searching each car site separately, you can enter your parameters into Auto Tempest one time and search them all at once. You can see results from Cars.com, Cars Direct, eBay, and more, or you can jump to Auto Trader and Car Gurus without entering anything new. You can even search all of Craigslist nationwide. You know how hard it is to search Craigslist all at once? You can with Auto Tempest. Auto Tempest can help you find your next new or used car if there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the entire country. Plus, the folks at Auto Tempest actually do listen to this very podcast right along with you, and they're always looking for ways to refine the site to make it better. They already have research tools, buyer and seller guides, and are listening to what features users want. So if we give you drive homework or you're chasing your dream car or you're just looking to feed the disease, autotempest.com is the place to start. Heck, I was honored an hour ago. We're back with a cool car debate for Scott writing to us from Syracuse, New York. He has a meeting your heroes question, but it isn't going to be any car you expect when I say that (laughs) sentence, which is one of the things I like about it. While you're here, do me a favor. Actually, if you haven't rated the podcast, do us a favor. Go on iTunes or wherever it is you listen to the podcast. Give it a rating. Give it a review. And if you don't mind, you know somebody listens to podcasts, share the podcast. You wouldn't believe the number of people that are writing to us almost weekly because they've just found the podcast. We're in year six 
I can't believe and people that. are still that's just. I, I can't believe both. I can't believe we're in year six, wow. and I can't believe people are still finding the podcast. Yeah, if you just found us, welcome. Thanks for being here. If you know other car people that like podcasts or want to listen to us talk topic Tuesdays and other random things, or you like to yell at your phone, that could be fun while you're commuting. Just yelling at your phone, pound on your instrument panel, exactly. Yell at your neighbor on the train, and they have no clue why you're. All just another day commuting. That's really what, you know, that how that works. So thanks for being with us, and we really appreciate your feedback on that. We do read all the reviews. When you write us at TV at Gmail, we read all of that. One of the two of us sees all of that. Yeah, for Ponder sure. the volume of email that means for a minute, because it's a lot, but we love it. So thank you. I've been writing the, reading the reviews on iTunes lately. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys for your feedback. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's been really cool to see that. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm working on my peas. Apparently, I'm popping my peas. But we do use pop filters, as a matter do. of fact. We do. We so do big time. Yep. Working on that. We're always looking to improve the podcast. So thank you guys for all your feedback, any and all criticism. For sure. We love to hear it, really. For it, sure. It's, uh, it helps us make us better. So, so that's the reason we do this car debate. We should actually get to a car debate, which is this thing from Scott. And his hero, <laughs> this is the thing, his hero, he's wondering if he should meet his hero. He really wants, and, and as I read this, I don't know if you're, this was your takeaway or not, Paul but he's looking for a disposable manual transmission all-wheel drive car. He is. And he really thinks. That's how, I mean, based on what these cars cost, he really thinks the car he should get, he should just get one, is the Suzuki SX4 hatchback, which we've both driven. We've both driven, but you remember back when we were starting the show, Mm -hmm. you had this little flame burning for the SX4. I think it you was really dug it. Yes, it was very cool. And I kept going, really that thing? And you talk about it some more. I'm like, that thing, really? Suzuki is, of course, no longer in the U.S. They had, interestingly, some of the best cars that were well positioned in their niche, like the Suzuki Samurai, the original Samurai, mm-hmm. one of the best off-roaders ever. <laughs> Lightweight, nimble, <laughs> tiny, small, underpowered, but just enough torque for it to scramble over things other big four by fours couldn't. Interesting point. Interesting point. Yeah. And so here comes this SX4 hatchback, which I forgot about. It was like, honestly, it was the cheaper alternative to Subaru product and surprisingly yeah. fun to drive. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. This was not a Hoon car. This this was, <laughs> honestly, this is the best way I can think of to describe it. This was, imagine a cheaper alternative in the same vein as the Honda Fit. You don't buy a Honda Fit because it's your mm. best sports car ever, but you buy it because it does everything you need to do, and it runs well. It's got a good gearbox. Let's go. That model in affordable all-wheel drive, that's the SX4. You know, there's not too many tiny little hatchbacks with all-wheel drive mm-hmm. being built anymore. No, very few, yeah. You know, we could talk about the Golf R. We can talk about, you know, GTIs. Well, I guess but Golf R is But we're much higher. Drive. We're much higher on the food chain at that point. But, yeah, even, let's say, the um, the Mark 7 Golf R. Well, yeah. actually, Mark 6. I'm the going Mark back 6. to 6. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tw- 2012, 2013, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. We could talk about R32s before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the size, but this is even smaller than that. Mm-hmm. It, remember the uh, Mazda 323 GTX from yeah 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 like early 90s late 80s somewhere in there same kind of idea it was a yeah, rally yeah. car kind of look and style they just aren't built anymore mm-hmm. and so I I see why you're attracted to them Scott is saying I've got a no no illusions that it would be a racer but on the days when you want to throw it around a little it looks like <laughs> a lot of fun. But then mm-hmm. he starts to think about it, and he says, eh, it's top-heavy. He said the all-wheel drive is really only good up to 40 miles an hour, not too quick, and not the best quality. But they're cheap. Mm-hmm. And if you're just looking at the throw-around with an actual handbrake... Yeah, well, just... Hmm. 
Kind of. That sounds kind of fun. He lives in Syracuse, New York. They get a bunch of snow. If you're looking, and I'm thinking about this in terms of the winter beater car. Yeah. This yeah. SX4 does not have great plastics. It's not luxurious, <laughs> but it is the you're perfect. You're so kind. No, but honestly, honestly, you know what this is? Your plastics it's, it's could the, need It's work. the small hatchback uh, alternative to something like a Jeep Wrangler. It's on the spectrum with the Jeep Ooh. Wrangler. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? Interesting. Jeep Wrangler is the truck version. Suzuki SX4 is the hatchback version of the same spectrum. You didn't mm. buy it because look at how nice the interior. You didn't buy it for that. You didn't buy it for that's the most attractive thing. You didn't buy it for that either. You bought it because it does what it does well with a little bit of oddball personality. That's the SX4. And I, here's the thing. All of this to say, Scott, I still have drive homework for you of other things. But the SX4, I, I so when I read this, I so see where you're wanting to go. And I think it is a very good candidate. You talk about doing 530 in the morning commutes in 12 inches of fresh snow. You just think, wouldn't this be great? And Scott, yeah. I'm with you. I think you should go buy the one. Find one, buy it, scratch the itch, solve the problem. Instead of thinking how good they are mm-hmm. and what might fun you might have, they're now cheap enough where if you buy one and you have it for a year, you'll lose a thousand bucks, but you paid maybe four. Yeah. Maybe you paid six. We're not talking big dollar amounts. Every winter in Salt Lake, they come out in droves. It's never, weird. I never saw them in L.A. Those fleets of them never there. saw them in L.A. When we lived in L.A., I never. I mean, I knew they were always for yeah. sale. I thought it would, we drove one as a press car. We drove one on the track. They were decent to drive. Mm-hmm. Never saw one in L.A. Moved to Utah. They're all winter. They're out. There, there they are. This is going to sound crazy, but look at the Nissan Juke. You can get it with a manual. Hmm. They come in all-wheel drive. They're quirky and odd and not for everybody, but they're kind of a small SUV that can do what you're talking about. Then I want you to go actually drive a Golf R. I, I do want you to go drive oh, that okay. Haldex system. I want yeah. you to try that out. I think it's going to be, huh, okay, I checked that off, moving on. What about an Audi TT, though? An earlier car, an Audi TT, it's lower, smaller, mm-hmm. all-wheel drive, a real handbrake. Yeah. Just a thought. The early ones were money pits. Anyway, yeah. They were. <laughs> they were money pits. They were, they were a money pit twice the size of their actual surface area. That's the kind of money pit the original TTs were. Everyone I knew that had one just yeah. about bankrupted themselves. Well, they just I, – I just they got this better. kind of – They got better. But the first, the early better. TTs. They got better. The early TTs, my lord. Anyway. Yeah. I, I, something to drive, something to consider. Yeah, I see it. But this is out there. I, I'm First of all, I'm saying go buy the Suzuki. Okay. Okay. And at the opposite end, for a car that is going to do all these things, give you the buzz, the fizz, mm-hmm. has a handbrake, you can add a hoon handle if you want. <laughs> okay. You probably see the where, where this is going. Yeah. They're more expensive, but they come down in price. It's the Focus RS. Yeah. All-wheel drive. They've got drift mode. Drift mode with your e-brake, just your, your regular handle if in the snow, yeah. Yeah, sideways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying could be kind of fun but this is a car you're, cars, yeah. you're not of course throwing away you're not just yeah. you know i don't care what happens to it because you you do they're yeah. not cheap but they have come down in price and i i think everybody's passed all the issues and we've mm-hmm. sorted everything out and now the ones for sale are good to go okay focus rs all right. after you have the suzuki sx4 i'm just saying I'm, go get that yeah. just scratch the edge just do <laughs> it, falls it. Like, buy, buy it it's disposable but then move on exactly but then huh because what if you say okay i've had my fill i liked it 
what's next in this category for long-term ownership? I think the Focus RS is up there. As is, you're, you're almost having him shop for the car after the SX4. Kind get of. an SX4 and then shop well, for this. Well, if any I, car we suggest, yeah. he has to go get the Suzuki first. Maybe, maybe. I have alts. If he doesn't? I have alts, Scott. All I is want lost. You, I want you to try to drive an SX4, but I have three others that I think are <laughs> real competitors to that car. Hmm. I, I was... You didn't give us a budget, but based on what you told us, we're shopping under ten grand on Easy. all on all of Easy. these. We're yeah. shopping under ten grand on everything I'm about to list. I was looking for disposable, kind of in quotes, manual transmission all wheel drive cars you can have some fun with. Okay. Okay. The SX four of the ones I'm about to list is the most utilitarian and the least fun of the four cars I want you to drive. SX four you need to drive. Drive a Saab nine two X. Okay. Okay. You can get yeah. the Aero Turbo yeah. for yeah. Eight grand, maybe ten on the high side. Interesting. The SX4 is genuinely more fun than. Um, pardon me. The the nine two X is genuinely more fun than the SX4. It's it is across the board. The SX4 is a good utility car. The the nine two X adds some fun. If you want to shop Suzuki's though, I think you need the Kazashi. Do you think? Because they it were is, all-wheel it drive. It is the more were... sporty version. You can get them front wheel drive too, but it is the more sporty version of that SX4 tech. Kind of. I always felt like that was an all-wheel drive Corolla. That's what Suzuki built. To some degree, but I think it's more interesting than that. If you could find a six-speed all-wheel drive Kazashi, I think you would enjoy that. If I'm talking about car fun driving enjoyment now, I think that would be a more enjoyable car than the SX4, but slightly less, oh my gosh, the amount of snow we have utilitarian. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. drive the Kazashi. And then also, while I'm here, drive a Mazda Speed 6. That's pretty good. You can find those with six-speed manual, all-wheel drive. They are great in the snow. They are good around a mountain road. Mazda Speed 6 is right in your budget, and I think that car (laughs) may trump them all. I actually really like that. By the way, for everybody listening, if you Google Mazda Speed 6, guess whose YouTube video comes up first? Hmm. I recently discovered that. We get lucky every now and then. Yeah. I realize that. Yeah, I agree. That's a great choice. That's a brilliant choice. You got to drive those other three, Scott, honestly. But I, I, I think meet this hero. One way or another, go drive one and see what you really think. But give yourself permission mm. to buy it and have it for a year or also permission to drive it and be like, I'm going to get it something else. That's okay, too. You don't have right, to go right. this way just because you've talked about it. True. Drive true. it. Give yourself some drive homework. Drive some other things. Come away with a fun winter car you don't have to worry about. That's the, that's the best thing about a winter car is one you just don't worry about. Scott, thanks for writing. If you've got your own debate, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com or on the website, you can go there and find all the links to all of the content, wherever everything is. And you can also write to us there on the contact form in the top right corner under the About tab. We've got questions to get to. (laughs) There are so many, yeah. Thank you guys for some awesome questions. These are really, really great. Thought-provoking. There's no way we can get to them all, but that's the point because we want to load up and and hopefully get to these in the future. It's a question on Facebook from Kevin Strange, who has just been looking at the Monterey weekend, which just happened for 2019. (laughs) We just had the crazy Monterey weekend, which we did not attend. We're looking at next year. I'm thinking maybe it's an every other year kind of thing for us at this point. He's asking if we can explain hypercars to him. He says, I get why a company would make one, the (laughs) ultimate expression of design and engineering, but why would anybody own one? Hmm. They're super expensive, preposterously powered, and have never driven, from what I can tell, he's not even sure an average driver could drive one. So what gives? And (laughs) why were all the auctions dominated by all these hypercars? 
I'm, I'm going to do my very best, Kevin. Okay. There is a world we, the royal we, the collective we, mm-hmm. don't know. And that is the world of extreme wealth. True. I True. have glimpsed it on vacations in Monaco. I've taken myself there, as you know. <laughs> You've glimpsed it as well. Yeah. There's a few places on the planet where you can kind of get in a, a okay, that's, that's an entirely different world I don't know. Yeah. It's yeah, not yeah. only a... a having the money, but it's a mindset too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when Bugatti introduced the Veyron, they claimed that their average buyer owned 84 cars yeah, and a jet mm-hmm. and a couple of helicopters. This was the profile of their buyer. Yeah. And they didn't make it up because there's enough CEOs of companies and wealthy people on the planet that actually fit that profile. I know it's weird it's, for it's, all of us listening. Yes, I know. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I, when I was in Monaco, I was trying to take pictures, stuffing as much money as I could into the photo. <laughs> like I'd have a, a flying lady hood ornament from a Rolls Royce like with, the, like with the yacht in the background and you know people walking by wearing Hermes and Cartier and all this stuff. And I was trying to like pack all the money I could into one single photo. That is funny. It's, it's a different world because in Monaco, the poor people own... 150 foot yachts because the rich people have 305 foot yachts. You're right. They have the ones that look like cruise ships. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it's such a different world. So car companies going after engineering and putting together cars that in some cases they're not profitable. In other cases, they're very profitable Mm -hmm. at the very high end and they're limited runs, but they do give the, the company an opportunity to exercise technology that in a certain form might trickle down to lesser cars or more volume production cars. And mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. worth pursuing for that reason. Mm-hmm. Motorsports at the highest level does that. Yeah. But for yeah. the most part, motorsports is for pure entertainment purposes. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah, for sure. But from a tech standpoint, these companies are pursuing the d- design and engineering, as you said, to figure out, okay, these are the halo cars. And then for an example, the Audi R8. You want an R8. Have you have you seen the A3, sir? It, it shares the DNA. And yeah, it was designed yeah, in the same yeah, studio, yeah. and it's built in the same, well, not in the same country, but, you know, it's it's got Audi on <laughs> Forget it. Forget I said that. Let's go this way. Yeah. So, you know, it's an aspirational car. I'm like, man, I, I want to own a 7 Series, but I'll start at a 2 Series. Or, yeah. You know, yeah. so it's this aspirational move you up through the brand, but they all are exploring tech that could trickle down. Not always, but... This has manifested itself through a lot of different car companies, certainly racing. But honestly, it's the the thing that ultimately is that you want something so special. Very few people on the planet own one, yeah, and you can afford now. to. I think that's. I think you hit on the key there at the end for sure. I, I I like everything you've said there, but I think for me, when I see these hypercars, I'll give you an example: the Lycan Hypersport. <laughs> they made like seven. It was a it was a it was a hero car in the last Fast and the Furious movie that uh, yeah uh, that Paul was in. Okay, mm-hmm. there were diamonds in the Dom headlights. In <laughs> I, Built on a 911. Uh, anyway, the the, the thing <laughs> there's seven of them. They were I don't even know how many into the seven figures they were, but there were seven of them made. There is a huge thing about these hypercars, honestly, that is just flat out bragging rights. I have one, and you do not. Absolutely. And there are tons of people, and the Middle East is full of this, but they're all over the world like this, that have just got a car collection. And the whole point of the car collection is, I have one of those too. And you don't. 
Yeah. And yeah. honestly, honestly, there are vloggers out there, car vloggers out there that are making a career out of finding those guys and getting those guys to drive the car that nobody else has just because we all want to see it. And the yeah. vlogger isn't even driving it. Yeah. They're just hanging out with the really rich guy. And back to your point, there is a level of money that exists in most of these things, which is the reason that a lot of these dealers are able to, to sell things for more than the MSRP. Very true. Yes. I want to go in. I have, you know, ridiculous amounts of money. I could buy whatever car I want, but I'm going to buy the first Honda Civic Type R. And I'm going to pay a hundred grand for it because I'm going to have it a month before everybody else does because a month from now I'm going to sell it. Mm-hmm. And I don't care because I got to go to two car shows with it and nobody else has seen one. And then I'm going to go back to my Rolls Royce Phantom. Yeah. That, there, I am not this guy because I like to drive cars and I like to afford cars. But I can't afford crazy cars. If, I will say this, if I could buy a car and it would affect my budget like it does when I go in and go, that's a cool shirt, Mm. I'd buy a lot of cars. (laughs) And there's a lot of people that that is the kind, the guys that have these huge collections that buy the hypercars, that's the kind of money they have. That that car to them is a funny t-shirt. Yeah, absolutely. So why not buy it? I've got T-shirts in my closet right now. Where I'm like, why do I still own this? <laughs> what? How? I used to like that band. You know, why, why do I have this shirt? It was funny at the time. Sure. My wife bought me a gag shirt. I wore it once. Sure. You know, but if but if that were if that were cars to you in your budget, why not? I worked for a guy who had a friend. He told me this, you know, roundabout story. His friend was a financial broker kind of guy in San Francisco. He made thirty million dollars a year. Okay. I, I can't even begin to wrap my head around that. It's a nice day, yeah. And he would have a Bentley for nine months, and then he'd have a Range Rover for six, and then he'd get the new Porsche for a year, mm-hmm. and then he'd go to other co- He was just bored out of his tree. Mm-hmm. He just had mm-hmm. to try different things. Mm-hmm. And it was just rotation. He didn't care. It's just, it's just different. It's not that it excites me. It's just different. I, that's almost a tragedy. That sounds awful to yeah, me. well... Unless you get serious about collecting and you're curating and then you've got to go drive them. But then well, that's the problem point, is the collections don't get driven. They don't. So, so let's bring this down to earth. Hypercars. Are we available to go drive We are available to go drive collections. Now, now accepting, accepting requests. Available for you. But taking these illustrious brands and bringing it down to earth, I want to go to this question right here. Big Fat Flip from Instagram says, best beginner Porsche mm. under 15K. Love this. He's interested in having something that is the essence of the brand. He's always wanted one, but he feels like every time he looks, what he uh, the good Porsches are just out of reach. I will tell you the answer here. Honestly, I think the answer for you is a first gen Boxster. Oh, the S if you okay. can. Okay, okay, I like that because the, the look the nine nine six you could do for your money. I mean, obviously, uh, Chance has one. Mm-hmm. He has a nine eleven nine nine six that he got for right around fifteen grand. You could do that, and you could say I have a nine eleven icon, but you have the nine eleven that is the least nine eleven of the lineup. They're great sports cars. They mm-hmm. are the least nine eleven y if that's even a term. So sure, I'll. I'll but let the you first lie. gen, the first gen Boxster has so many Porsche qualities. We drove it in a Cheap Cars episode last season. We drove it for Lemons this season. Yeah, we did. That is That has so many good Porsche qualities, good balance, build quality. The, the interior is debatable because it's not a good era for interiors, <laughs> same as the 996. <laughs> but but it has dynamically, it's, it's right, and it has connections to earlier Porsches in their old history, but it is the beginning of Porsche as the brand they are today. I think it is a tipping point era for Porsche. First-gen Boxster. 
Love it. All right, Cars and Comments over here on Instagram says, how many track days is too oh, yeah. many? Just did my second track day at Palmer Motorsports Park in my Fiesta ST that he drives every day. Really wants to do more, but I don't want to put too much strain on a car, rely on daily. Hmm. This podcast we covered was called Driving Your Paycheck, and that is literally what you're doing. We, we get it. You rely on it, but that's your only car, and you want to go be yeah, able to drive yeah, it. Yeah. You've got to weigh it between what kind of track it is. For example, the ring, the Nürburgring. Mm-hmm. It's not a modern track. True, true, true. And by modern, I mean high speed where you come, you know, really come hot into corners and you crush the brakes true. to get down to a, you know, speed to take the corner and then yeah. you're, you know, accelerating hard. It's more of a flow. It's more like a canyon road. It's like a whole third gear yeah. track. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it kind of depends on the track that, you know, can put, you know, different wear and tear mm-hmm. on your brakes, your tires, all that, the consumable stuff. So that's the first consideration. But then you've got a, you know, you've got a balance between, yeah, just budget. I want to do more. Mm-hmm. How's the car holding up? And at that point, if you're starting to do more track days, you're starting to now needing to over maintain your car. Yeah. 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 Your maintenance schedule is out the window. Whatever is in the driver's handbook is no longer valid. <laughs> does does not apply to you. So now you're you are spending money on pads. Mm-hmm. You are spending money on you know more frequent oil changes. Yeah, yeah. And looking at your tires and all those kinds of things. It's possible, and there are cars that'll do just fine. I think your car will do great. They've had it at the uh, Ford's had it at the uh, Ford Performance School, the yes. Octane Academy. Yes, those cars are beat on on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it'll do great. Now, is it? Does it accelerate? Where? Sure, but yeah, if you're willing yeah. to take that on, I think it's at a low enough price category and price point where you're you're probably going to be fine. I agree with you. I think the short thing here, honestly, is that you need to have a little bit of budget available at all times to just replace blank mm-hmm. whatever whatever that is. You know, tires and brakes are going to go. You know, fluids are going to need to be changed. You yep. know that, and it's going to have to happen. Like you said, forget the normal variables. It's going to have to happen a lot. But just this be, in the trash. If you are uh, willing to just throw maintainables at that car, this got consumed, and that could be something you don't expect. This got consumed, must replace. If you have budget mm-hmm, for that, mm-hmm. I say keep tracking your car. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. Let's see what else we've got. You know what? Uh, we're talking about all kinds of maintenance and affordable cars here. Murphy's Mid-Century said, highest mileage cars you've ever had and thoughts on cars with over 200,000 miles. Hmm. My wife and I had a 96 GMC Yukon we bought with 62,000 miles. We sold it at 263. We put 200,000 miles on that car. That's great. We were on our second transmission. Well, that's not great. I have what no idea how many tires we went through. Second transmission, but I mean, but we were fastidious about oil changes, tires, brake pads. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. else was we re- we replace it when it wears out or breaks. And there was stuff. I think. Look, and then then I had the high mileage mini. That's got right. it at one hundred eighty thousand. Right. Sold it at about. Well, gave it away. Actually, let's be honest. We raffled it off. Evan, how are you, man? Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you're enjoying the spot. <laughs> that's great. So so that he he went out uh, at about one hundred ninety thousand. Still running like a champ. It comes down mostly to maintenance. And, and I want to tie it right back to cars and comments. You can keep cars running if you keep throwing money and parts at them. If you're going to buy a 200,000-mile car, and, and this isn't an, an if, what does it need? Not when. Like right now, what does it need? It needs something. And stuff is wearing out completely on that car. Make sure stuff's been maintained. It's not something that I would seek out. A 200,000-mile car, I wouldn't seek it out. But if you're going to throw parts at it, it will keep running. Mm -hmm. Yeah, theoretically, 
You could keep your car forever. Theoretically. And there's the ocean of reality. You could, yes. There's difference. All right. Nico Meager says, not really serious, but Matt, our friend Matt Ferret, the smoking tire, has the head of Lotus Design, Russell Carr, with two R's. His name is apropos. Mm-hmm. On tonight's podcast, he wants to hear our live reaction to that. Honestly, I Matt has been a great friend of the show, mm-hmm, and uh, sure. we always love being on his podcast when we're in Los Angeles. And I'm glad he's got you know more something more aimed at design. To be honest, I'm just happy that Lotus finally has wings to fly. They've mm-hmm. they finally kind of been let, let go. Yeah. They've got money to be able to go do some things, and it just seems like this new Evaya at Monterey that was finally mm, released yeah. is kind of the direction, and it's impressing everybody from a sculptural standpoint. It's impressing everybody from, wow, how are you going to you know make that? You know What kind of tooling are you going to do to make that surface? And <laughs> I, I think How much is this again? Oh, that's right. I think they've been Lots. given a lot of leash here, mm-hmm. and it's it's not um, uh, the the prior years that we had. Um, was it Danny Behar? Danny Behar with the six new models they over, were going to do. Over-promising all, and yeah. massively under-delivering all to all above. of us. Yeah. That was a nice thought, but it finally seems like now's the time. Mm, mm. And they're, they're, they're being given their wings. They Go fly, little so. birdie. Like, let's hope so. You're out of the nest. Go, That's go. what Geely's done for, for Volvo, and Volvo's yeah. doing great stuff right now. Let's hope they do the same thing for Lotus. That'd be very cool. Uh, let's see the let's see other ones that are good here. S. Vicentius asked us how that Honda Insight uh, handled that we drove. We got a piece it's out, a great out question. of that right now. Honestly, like a Honda Accord? I, I was going to say very Civic-like, very yeah. you know initially direct. It wasn't you know the most informative car ever, let's no. say that. But it's not designed to be. No. And you're not chucking it through corners anyway. We didn't talk about it because there wasn't anything problematic with the handling, and there also wasn't anything standout. It drives exactly like you think it does. Mm-hmm. It drives like a Honda Accord. From a ratio standpoint, it drives, yeah. yeah. Just very yeah. So solid. There's... But- Honestly, if I were shopping for if I were shopping for a mile per gallon king, be the top of my list. Mm. Really would inside would be right up there. Unless I was going to go electric, but and of course the Volt's not being made anymore. It would be a contender if it was still new. But the Insight right now, I'd just go out and get one of those. I really would. I thought it was great. Okay. All right. Danny Bond is asking on Facebook favorite car reveal from the Quail Pebble Beach Monterey Car Week. Since we're touching on that. Mm. Lots of stuff. We wish we could have gone. There's all... You think you've seen the photos, and you you haven't even come close to experiencing this thing. It's such a monster. It's amazing. I'm kind of formulating a new plan. What I want to go see. I want to go see Bonham's auctions. That looked great. Some different stuff in there. I want to say the Acura Type S concept has really impressed me. I'm really excited that they brought a sedan that looks great and fresh and crisp, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's setting a new direction for Acura. I really like that car. I also really liked the Bentley EXP 100 GT, which was their huge, monstrous luxury car. <laughs> Bentley was the featured mark at Pebble Beach, yeah, and yeah, they yeah. brought out this entirely you know, new thinking on what the future of luxury is. It's enormous, but I like what they're doing for experiential design, and that's what every car company is trying to do right now is, you know, if cars are just going to be pods and we're going towards lack of feel and all those kinds of things. What sets my car where, you know, apart from your car, mm-hmm. you know, the car companies are looking at the in-car experience and the, you know, what does luxury mean? And they're actually going back to n- more natural materials like brass and real wood and, you know, all these different things, but they pulled off the Swarovski crystal look and there was just a feast. It, it's not a, a driver's car by any stretch, 
but from a design standpoint, materials, it was a feast. And then finally, the Porsche Formula E car. Porsche hmm. is joining Formula E, everyone. Okay. They have exited Le Mans after winning 19 times in the past Oof. few decades, many decades, and they're joining Formula E, and I'm really excited about that. Okay. There's an interesting question here that I'm going to try to come through quickly because it could be a monster. Frazier wrote in, he is relocating. He's writing it on Facebook, relocating to Denver. I, I'm guessing from L.A., based on where you're coming from, you said you're going to go through Vegas and do 10 laps in an Audi R8 V10 at Speed Vegas. Please do that because that will be fun. Oh, yeah. Say then hi you're going to Chris go for us. Through, you're going to go through Price, Utah, which is about two-thirds of the way up through Utah. If you want to envision the state as a, as a box, it's two-thirds of the way up. And then you're going to go from Price to Denver. You're trying to have a decent Utah driving experience and not just saw through miles. So what do you do? You can come up 15. 15 goes out of Vegas, up diagonal through uh, Utah, comes up here to Salt Lake. Get off 15. 15's fine, but get mm-hmm. off 15. Mm-hmm. Drive through Zion, and then come up Highway 12. Highway 12 goes through Boulder, Utah. Not Boulder, Colorado, Boulder, Utah. Go Love up through it. Highway 12. Work your way up the circuitous route. If you don't have to get somewhere in a specific time frame, this is how I wanted to drive the Lotus back, but I had to get back. Otherwise, I just did too much of the 15. But come up on the on the 12. Come up all the way up. Work your way up to Price that way. While you're up near Price, uh, do Highway 31. We were on it recently. It's awesome. It's, it's up near, near Price. And then you can work your way either out 70 to get to Denver. You can certainly do that. Or you can go the high side, out 40, which is the northern end of Colorado. And that is beautiful. So that's my short version of that. Hope it helps. Really love it. All right, last question for me. Bill Blum bought a new car and asks, what is the first thing he should do to protect the finish? Mm, okay. Don't let the dealer prep it for you. <laughs> that is the we may be step past one. Them, but yeah, that's I, we might be funny. past yeah. it, but don't let them. If they say, we're taking all the stuff off and we're cleaning it up and we're washing it. Yeah, say, leave it alone. Could you Please not do that. hand it to me dirty? Because you're setting the tone because... They don't care. They just sold yeah. it. They're kicking yeah, yeah. it out the door. So that's when most swirl marks are introduced, mm. if you can believe it. And if you work for a dealer, I'd love to hear your stories. Please email me. You know where to email me. I want to hear your stories about your dealer prep and why it's better and why I'm wrong, to be honest. But I've heard so many not great stories, and I've experienced myself when it's prepped, and I wish I would have done it myself. I wish mm. I would have mm-hmm. hand-washed it the yeah. first time, inspected every t- everything. That's kind of the first thing. But paint protection film is always an option. There's been ceramic coating suggestions. It depends on your new car, and you don't say what that is. So it depends on the level of investment you're willing to to protect that finish. But, you know, at the minimum, we recommend, you know, some kind of front-end protection. That's always always handy for rock chips and that kind of thing. Because, you know, when the first scratch happens, I'm with you. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts. Find Paul parking back of the lot. (laughs) Between the two support posts in the parking you, garage. I have to applaud you real quick. You have a wash video coming up. I do, yes. I am very excited I to see it. I filmed it at this I, point. I personally haven't even seen this footage. I'm very excited to yes, see it. Yes, I have some cameras going. Cool. It's finally happening. Uh, Chad Merrick, this is the last question from me, Facebook. Chad Merrick says, somebody shows up at your door. This, By the way, I'm going to try to do this very briefly. Oh, yeah. Somebody shows up at your <laughs> door with an eight-figure budget to make a commercially successful car movie. What do you do? Run for the hills? Move I to a different country? Take all the money and run. I write that. That would be very, very fun. The short answer is... And I had a, I had a, a, a script pitch I did a few years ago for a, for a company that was partially this, but they couldn't go very big. But if you could go big, and granted, eight figures, hate to say it, but might not be enough. 
eight figures as it is. <laughs> the, here, here, honestly, you want to know where the, the dead, the, the no man's land is of filmmaking right now? Anything between about a $10 million budget and a $100 million budget, those movies struggle to make money. No kidding. The people making $50 million budgets, those kind of movies really struggle. That's where New Line Cinema was successful in their heyday is they made movies at 50 to $70 million, and that was where nobody else wanted to play, and they made them successful at that level. Mm-hmm. The indies, and some of the indies are as much as 20, but between like 20 and like 80, mm. it's really hard to make a movie that turns around and is successful. You make a $250 million movie, that can be successful. You make a $5 million movie, but anyway, it's that no man's land. Interesting. But you're talking about blockbuster budgets for a car movie. I would make some sort of plot line that is essentially about – I have to get package, whatever that is. Yes, Transporter does this, but it, but it works. I have to get package to this other destination. Okay. And along the way, issues keep happening that keep destroying that car. And you end up in different cars because the point is to get to the end. And the car mm. that you are driving doesn't specifically matter. And so the car keeps changing. Baby Driver does this very well. Yeah. Because it has yeah. a plot line and they have they've laid cars on the plot line and so the car keeps changing, which is very cool. There's that huge drive away getaway scene with a Chevy Avalanche of all things that he just uses like a tank cuz it's a tank. Sure. So that's sure. this is the way to make a successful car movie is to have that what is the thing we must get done and the cars are the tools and we keep getting the right tool for the job so you get to showcase a ton of cars over the course of one movie, and you get it done that way. Love it. Fantastic. Thanks a million for your questions. We're leaving it there. we got to run. Really appreciate it. And thanks for following along. And uh, like Todd said, rate and review the podcast and visit everydaydriver.com. Amazon Season 5. Amazon Season 5 is coming soon. So it's Season 5 cable television for us, and it's coming to Amazon soon. We will definitely let you know. Can't wait to share with you. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.